Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we are talking about Colorado's game against Creighton in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Game's going on Friday morning at 11.30 our time. I think it's 12.30 over in Iowa where the game's going to be played. So about three and a half hours away from the Creighton campus. They're going to have a home court advantage. And... <laughs> And if Colorado wins and, and meets Iowa, Iowa very likely to win. I think I can't remember if they're a two-seed or a three-seed. They're a two-seed. They're definitely a two-seed. Um, that's going to be a wild home court advantage. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe some sort of a road game here. But the Buffs are the higher seed. It's a 7-10 matchup, Colorado being the 7. Uh, game's going to be on ESPN News, but we will have it on at the DMVR bar. So if you guys are looking for somewhere to go, obviously we've got plenty of TVs. We're going to have TVs on all the different March Madness games that are going down. But also, we're going to have the buffs on, and that's what I'm going to be tuned into. And if you guys are looking for somewhere to go, some people to hang out with who want to watch buffs women's hoops, we are your people. So come down and hang out and do that with us. Um, we're going to dig into all these things that are going on in this game. Um, and that's really it for today. I th we're just going to run through this. It might be kind of short. It's actually like 8 o'clock now, which is later than I wanted to get this done because, what, there's 17 hours or something till the game starts. I wish I would given you guys more time to listen to this, but the, the shorter it is, the more likely you can get through it, right? So, so we're going to go through this fast, and we'll talk again after the game. So just to start, I was kind of shocked looking through the numbers here. Um, these two teams could not be more different. Colorado, Creighton could not be more different. And because of that, it's a tough game to read, right? Like, you don't know what to expect. Like, who's, whose style of play is going to win out? Who will dictate the game? And I think that that's kind of what this game comes down to. You know, there's, there's games where... You're going up against a team. It's like, okay, we gotta go bucket for bucket. Where we gotta grind out. We gotta run the pit. Whatever. In this game, it's not just about scoring points or that sort of stuff. Going out and hooping. It's about trying to dictate how the game is played because the two teams want to play very, very different styles of basketball. Um, and those styles are this. First of all, we talk about how Colorado plays all the time. We don't need to spend too much time on that. But it's the defense. Colorado's defense sets up everything that it does. It's not just one of the best defenses in the Pac-12. It's one of the best defenses in the country. And the, the, the path to winning basketball games for Colorado, that, that path is to shut the other team down 
and and try to grind out enough points offensively that you wind up with more. You know, in, in the Pac-12 tournament, they played three games. They averaged 51 points per game. They 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 won a game scoring 45 points, and that's the style of basketball that they want to play. They wanna they wanna force you to run down the shot clock. They wanna pick your pocket. They wanna they wanna make it really hard for you basketball-wise, but also just physically. They want to wear you down. Then on the other end, look for a good shot, run some clock, aid that defense. It's a it's grit and grind. Grit and grind, play good defense, box out, go get boards. It's physical. There aren't many teams that are more physical than Colorado is. Creighton, as I mentioned before, could not be more different. And I didn't realize, but... Not only is this a run-and-gun team, this is the most running-and-gunning team that there is. Um, they're, they're honestly, they, they might just be like the definition of run-and-gun in women's basketball. Some of the stats, and I just sent out a tweet with some of these stats. You know, Colorado's defense, number one in the Pac-12 in steals. Number two in three-point percentage allowed. Number two in points allowed. Number two in turnover margin. Again, that, that plays into what we're talking about, right? The style of play. Creighton, in the entire country, number one in assists. Number one in assist to turnover ratio. Number three in three-pointers. Number 22 in points. They're number 11 in three-point field goal percentage. They're number 11 in field goal percentage overall. Again, in the entire country, they're way up there at the top in all of these offensive stats. Again, you look at it and say, okay, they're number one in assist, number one in assist to turnover ratio. Well, guess what? Colorado steals more balls than the Pac- than anybody else in the Pac-12. And that's the best basketball conference, the best women's basketball conference out there. Um, number two in turnover. These two teams, when they go out it, or go at it, it's, it's going to be kind of wild to see. Because, again, like, when you're Colorado and you play Pac-12 basketball, Pac-12 has a style. Like, there's a way that, that everybody kind of conforms into this style because they play against each other. If you're the run-and-gun team and, and night after night there's teams trying to slow you down, slow you down, slow you down, it just kind of forces you to learn how to do these different things. Like, like it just slowly changes your identity to, to playing that basketball more because you get better at that style of basketball. Because half the time, you're not dictating how the game is played, so you wind up playing like that. That's why some of these non-conference games, some of these tournament games in particular, can kind of just become chaos. Because for a few months, Colorado's been playing these Pac-12 teams. They're the biggest teams around. They're the most physical teams around. They're really good, and they can shoot too, and they can do all those things. But... When you're really good at basketball, you kind of play this more neutral brand, right? Like you wind up just playing true basketball. It's the the extreme version of this is you look at, you know, first of all, like in Alabama, yeah, it's it's kind of a spread offense, um, but there's some pro style concepts. They run the ball, they can pass the ball, they just play football. You know, Clemson was like this too with Trevor Lawrence um, when they're just. They're playing football. They'll run some bootlegs. They'll do those things. It just it's pure football. Um, when you're Washington State, though, which is a team that doesn't really compete at that level, you run the air raid, those sorts of things, and you you try to find these advantages, figure out what you can do differently that can 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 give you a chance to compete. You get to the extreme 
on the other end of your Bama, these teams that typically play very prototypical football, you get down to an Air Force, which is where you see these these straight-up triple option offenses and this weird stuff. So, so there's this weird way that Pac-12 basketball kind of pushes itself together and condenses, and all of a sudden you kind of have the, the defining form of women's basketball comes through the Pac-12. Now you got Creighton coming in, and Creighton's playing in the Big East, and they uh, they play a very different style. They are running and gunning, and, and this matchup on a bunch of different levels is going to be strange. And oh, But before we dig too deep into the details here, I will say Colorado is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, um, so probably a pretty standard number for a 7-10 matchup. Because of all all of these factors that are going on, the the way that these teams differ from each other, I found it interesting that the total, like the over under number, one twenty eight and a half, which is dead center, out of the fifty six games that uh, that that also or no fifty six games that have published betting odds. There's a couple that don't. I don't know why, but there's fifty six that do have betting odds. 27 of them have a higher total than 128.5. 128.5 dead center. So again, you're seeing that in a normal Colorado game, that total, 114, you know, 116, something around there. In a typical Creighton game, you're looking at 140, who knows, maybe even freaking 150 um, because of the type of game that they play. You just push to the middle and you have no idea who is going to be able to dictate how this game is played. And so I think to, to start this conversation, that's what you need to know, is that these are two polar opposite teams. And this is this is the equivalent of air raid versus triple option. And we are going to be lucky to see it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm fired up. Like I've, I don't know if you can tell, but this is a game that I am very excited for. Um, and, and we'll talk more over the weekend if there's another game on Sunday, which is when the Buffs would take on the, the winner, likely Iowa, the two seed, uh, with Caitlin Clark, who is probably the best basketball player in the country. Um, she's wild. She's wild. She knocks down threes. But that's that's a conversation for tomorrow, really, if the Buffs can pull off this win. So this is kind of what we're talking about. Uh, to get into the details... You know, we'll we'll talk more about Colorado's team later in the show because you know it's one of these weird things, right? Because women's basketball, not as many of you podcast listeners pay attention to the women's team as you do the the men's team or the football team. And so I get that there are some of you who haven't seen a lot of games, and because of that, we're going to run through kind of some key details on, on who these women are. Um, but because a lot of us have probably at least caught a couple of games or heard me talk about it at various points, we're, we're going to knock out this Creighton team first to, uh, to, to, to kind of set the stage. Um, before we do that though, want to remind you guys to eat sexy pizza. Like I said, come down to the DMVR bar tomorrow. Come down to the DMVR bar tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got some CU fans who are hanging out from the company. I'm going to be there. I, uh, I hope that you'll come down because it's going to be a lot of fun. And again, these sorts of games, they're way more fun to watch with fans, right? Like sitting on your couch, tuning in. If you're tuning in, especially for like the first time this season, it's like, oh, yeah, this is interesting, whatever. 
But also, if you come down and you're watching with people, like, ask me questions. I know all this stuff. And, and even more than that, Brian Howell really knows all this stuff, and he tells me all about it. So, so because of Brian, I have a even better knowledge of what's going on. So if this is your first time, you want to get into this tournament run, come down and hang out. It's going to be a great time. But if you can't make it down for whatever reason, there's a second really, really good option. And that really good option, order sexy pizza. Order sexy pizza. It's it's really good food, especially this time of year. Like I, I've been working out and specifically saying like, okay, I'm gonna eat a piece of fish for dinner. I'm gonna I'm gonna make some rice. I'm gonna do those sorts of things because I know when March comes, when March comes, you just gotta do what you gotta do. And what you gotta do is eat pizza and drink beer, a Breckenridge beer hopefully. But sexy pizza is the best place to go if you're looking for pizza during any I guess any time, but also during this tournament season um been in the denver community for 13 years they've got a bunch of different locations around town they've got different sizes of pizza they've got uh different side sides uh, they've got gluten-free options vegan options all that sort of stuff so check out any of their f- five locations and you won't be disappointed and DraftKings sportsbook again we're talking about pizza this time of year we're definitely talking about sports betting this time of year I actually didn't fill out a bracket, probably for the first time since I was like seven, six, maybe. You fill out brackets. It's what you do this time of year. Um, I guess I'm maybe it's just because I'm more of an NIT guy now. You know, NIT potentially better, right? Uh, but but it's just been so busy. You spend so much time looking at the NIT, looking at the past, studying the buffs, all that sort of stuff. Um, that that then that ends on Tuesday, and then you're straight into um straight into pro day on Wednesday and then from there you're straight into in my case Justin Bieber Wednesday night do we have time for a full show review probably not I can tell you that I bought a t-shirt for $60 and do I regret it not yet not yet um, but it's been a really busy couple days I didn't have a chance to actually go back and fill out a bracket I don't want to fill out a bracket that I know is going to be like you can just circle teams or whatever but I just whatever reason didn't get around to it but I think part of that was I wasn't searching out pools because we have DraftKings you can just bet on all the games I know that Ryan had a strategy today where whatever team would go down he would just bet on them to win so whoever goes down 40 to 22 or whatever and It's like, okay, well, it's 10 to 1 odds that they win. They pull back to within like 8 points, 5 points, something like that, and all of a sudden you can cash it out and triple your money. Like there's so many different things you can do, whether it's it's mining the runs like he does, whether just straight up betting upsets, whether you like to bet spreads or winners, um, whether you like to live bet and see if you can find a couple, find, find some better odds, you know, those sorts of things. It's uh it's a lot of fun to be a DraftBooks DraftKings sportsbook user right now. And so you should get in. And you should especially get in right now because there's an awesome promotion just for you guys. If you bet $5 on any team to win any game and you're right, you'll get $200 in free bets. If they win, you win. It's super simple. Make sure you get in on same game parlays with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's safe, secure, reliable. Deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. I went to Vegas. I was like, "Well, I've been building up this big, big account in DraftKings over the course of like, I guess when, I think since uh, uh, over the summer, the Nuggets and the Avs and the Plats. But the point is, 
I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring this down to Vegas, and this is my betting money. So I'm going to pull it out, and I can put it right back in when I get back. Uh, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code DMVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. There you go. Um, back into this game. Like I said, we're going to dig into Creighton more first um, because, again, they're, they're, they're kind of the, the new team. They're the ones we don't know. So I think the best way to do it, we talked about the assist-to-turnover ratio, all that sort of stuff, where they just rank up at the top of the country. And I think one of the other things I should point out, I believe they're fifth in the country in points per possession. I think it's fifth. It might be third. I think it's fifth. I can't find that number. And I've sent out a tweet with all this stuff, and I I included their number 22 in points. The tweet would look a lot better with, like, their number 5 in points per session. <laughs> Feel dumb. And there's too many likes to go back on it now. But I can tell you guys that that is kind of the real stat here. And, again, it makes sense, right? Because they don't turn the ball over all that much. Where I'm going with this, though, is that their point guard, Tatum Rembau, she's kind of the key to everything that's going on with Creighton. She, obviously, in a, in a run-and-gun attack, the point guard is the one who's running with the ball and gunning that ball around. She actually is third in the country in assist-to-turnover ratio, just herself. She is third, and she's also seventh in the country in assists. Those are some, those are some really good numbers. She is a senior. She's actually the only player on Creighton's roster that made it, or that that was on the team in 2018, which was the last time Creighton made the NCAA tournament. Won one game, lost out, just like they did in 2017. Um, she's actually a Colorado native. She went to Loveland High School in Loveland. I feel dumb adding that part on, but hey, some of us don't know things. Uh, last note on Tatum Rembau. She's coming off back-to-back 10-assist games. You know, she's she's kind of their McKinley Wright, you know, and when you get to postseason play, having a point guard is is very important, and that's one of those things that you talk about over and over and over and over again. Creighton's got one of the very, very best in the country. And again, Colorado native adds another dynamic there. She's probably the biggest name to know. Um, in terms of other players worth knowing, um, I, I jump over to Lauren Jensen. So Lauren Jensen, she's a second team All Big East guard. She was actually the most improved player this season in that conference. That's they, they gave her the award for it. Um, she also made the fifth most three pointers in the entire country. So you know we we talk about all these incredible numbers for Creighton. It's like you can kind of trace those back to some very, very good players, which makes sense, right? Like if you're if you're going to be a great rebounding team, guess what? You probably have a really great rebounder. But it's it's pretty simple to see who is kind of the catalyst, who pushes these 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 parts of the game from those are those are really good to nobody can really compare to some of the things that that Creighton does on a basketball court. Um, She's she's putting up twelve point three points per game. Actually, so so the three highest scores on Creighton's team, all sophomores. So uh, Lauren Jensen, she's actually number two at those twelve point three. Um, 
You've got Emma Ronchek at 14.9 points per game. She was first-team all-conference. So, again, she's she's first-team all-conference. Lauren Jensen, second-team all-conference. Those are the only two players who got onto either of those. Uh, they also have Morgan Malley at 12 points per game. She's a, she's a big who comes off the bench. Not, not like the biggest big, though. Um, actually, Creighton is... Creighton's a small team. They're, they're not all that big, and I think that that's where you see kind of the big difference. You know, we talk about all these crazy numbers for Creighton where it's like, wow, look, this is this is wild. There's nobody who can do this. What makes them not, you know, a two-seed or a three-seed or whatever is that, again, they're a Big East team. They're, they're not like these Pac-12 teams that are recruiting multiple six-footers every year and doing all those sorts of things. What Creighton lacks is just straight up pure size. And actually, the guards are pretty big, which is strange, but we'll get to them in a second. The point is, when it comes to bigs, Creighton doesn't have them. Um, you know, you, you kind of just look at the matchups in, in this starting lineup. So at center, Colorado is going to be probably, I mean, their, their typical starting center is Peanut Tutelli. Um, she is l- at least listed at six foot one. Um, I think that that's probably pretty accurate. The the the, the center for Creighton, Peyton Brodsky, I think is how you say it. I could I should probably look that up before I start saying these names. Five foot eleven. So you have that that two inches there, and on top of that, like Peanut, she's not like a loss and lovering six foot one. Uh, she's also not like an Evan Batty. But but she is bigger. She's stronger. She's physical, um, and I think that she can play even bigger than that six foot one would suggest. Um, at the four, Colorado has Maya Hollingshed, one of the very best players in the country. Um, she's she's bound for the WNBA next year. She's she's put up thirty point games. She's done all those sorts of things. Um, Fourteen points per game this season. She's doing it efficiently, shooting close to forty percent from the field. All that sort of stuff. She is the superstar on this team. My Hollingshed, six foot three. Now she is more of that like Jabari Walker type of build, and and more kind of gangly, very long as a player. Um, but the forward on the other side, Emma Ronchek, who we were talking about earlier, six feet tall. So you have two inches at the center position. You have three inches at this power forward position. And when it comes to... Here's the thing. I think Creighton probably sees a lot more teams that are Creighton's size in the paint than they see that are Colorado's size in the paint. And I think that that's kind of the X factor here in Colorado's favor. You know, you talk about the passing, you talk about the three-point differential between these two teams. That's what favors Creighton. Favors Colorado is that they should be able to clog up the paint, and on top of clogging up the paint, they should be able to open up some driving lanes to the rim. Um, they they should be able to to force this Creighton defense to to stick to these players because they they need to focus on keeping them away from the paint. Um, they they need to focus on not letting them get the ball right underneath the rim because they're going to be able to go up and over whoever's guarding them more likely than not, more often than not, especially Maya. Um, and so if you have that sort of weight, that sort of gravity, that kind of works like a magnet, right? So you get these players who just have to stick to the post players. And, and on top of that, you could even see them kind of box out just a little bit while they're in the paint, you know, box out to create those lanes. 
and that can open things up for these guards, um, a group of guards who can struggle in the paint. And, and while it's easy to look at this matchup and say, okay, bigger in the paint, they should be able to score in the paint, the, the, the big should, I think that that also has a pretty significant effect on the guards. Um, and it's, it's a group of guards who need, they need to finish. They need to finish at the rim. Um, and this is one of those things I've talked with Brian Howell about a lot. You know, Jalen Sherrod, really, really, really good player. Really good player. Um, one of the best defensive guards in the Pac-12 easily, and you could probably make a case for her being one of the better defensive guards in the country as well. Um, Kendall Weta, the the point guard who comes in off the bench, freshman Colorado native. Um, she's I, I think she, Kendall is number two in the Pac-12 in steals per game. Jalen Sherrod, number six in steals per game. Um, just elite, elite defenders, both of them very quick very fast, they can push the pace, they're, they're great passers, um, point guards though, you know, they, they, they both still need to work on their scoring ability, especially in the paint, especially when they're driving to the rim, um, so, so, you know, it's, it's kind of this, this big question mark, right, so I do think that these driving lanes are going to be there for them, um, but does that mean that you're you're seeing them take a bunch of of those shots and and they're not going to fall or are they so open that they're actually going to make those at a clip that that means that they can keep up with this Creighton offense which at points is going to break through you know Colorado's not going to be able to clamp them down all game and if they can't clamp them down for most of the game then it's going to be a big challenge for Colorado's offense um I think that it definitely hurts that they don't have Tamea Sadler, the uh, the the guard who was involved with the collision with Peanut in the quarterfinal. Yeah, it was in the quarterfinal game uh, in the Pac-12 tournament. Just kind of a weird, fluky play. She's not back yet. There's a chance that she'll be back at some point in the tournament. At least that was last week, but she won't be back tomorrow. She and Lucila Finau, those are the two who really can get to the rim and and pressure the, the defense in the paint and actually score down there at, at a, a rate that you would like to have. Um, and so with her out of the lineup, it does mean that you're going to see more Jalen going to rim. Um, so that's that's kind of the other thing I'm looking at. And I mentioned this earlier, but... Creighton, actually pretty big guards. You know, Colorado, I th- you probably call them three guards. Jalen Sherrod, 5'7". Sila Finau, 5'9". Frida Foreman, 5'11". For Creighton, you're looking at 5'9", 5'10", 6 foot. So that's two inches, one inch, and, and one inch in differential. Four inches across those two positions. So that sort of length, again, it just creates some questions, right? How What does that look like? Are, are, are they so big that Colorado's quick enough to get by them? I would guess that Jalen is. I, I would guess that Sela is. Frida probably, I would guess not. Um, but are they also just so big that when they get to the paint, the, you're, contest, you're seeing these layups get contested? Um, and again, like Creighton very good in the paint. Despite not being the biggest with the forwards, they score so much in the paint that I think they wound up outscoring opponents by 56 points in the paint this season, which is, I guess, only about two points per game. But when you consider they're going up against bigger teams, sometimes small, more often than not, they're, they're winning that battle. Um, Let's see, what else do we have going on? We talked about 
Well, let's talk about Colorado's three-point shooting a little bit because this is probably the number that is most concerning for this team. Um, you know, it's a team that Colorado defends so well that they don't let teams get to 70 points very often. You know, the, the, they don't let them get to 60 points as often as most teams would. And so when you're when you're playing with these lower numbers, even when the offense isn't going well, you're s- you're still within within arm's reach, right? Like it's rare that you're down by big numbers. You're you're always in games when you defend as well as as Colorado does. The scoring though is very hit or miss. You have Maya, who's like I said, one of the best scorers in the league, but she doesn't have probably quite as much help as as you'd like. Um, you know, three ball in particular has been a big struggle for Colorado. Uh, they've they've made thirty percent of them this season. That's the worst in the Pac-12. And you know, I mean, you start at the top, Frida Foreman. She's kind of the sniper from Denmark. She's come on the podcast before. You guys remember that. Um, but she she struggled this year. She's shooting a little over 27% from three this year, and she's taking the most on the team. And at some point, she's going to get through. She's a good shooter, but when, when your top scoring threat, your top three-point threat is struggling like that, it makes it hard to have an efficient three-point attack. There's a lot of possessions you say, ah, that's it's frustrating because you know that, that she's struggled like this this season. She's gotten hot before, and she's made some really big shots, and she's had some really great games, but it's hit or miss, and there's been probably too many misses this season. Um, second in three-point attempts, though, Maya Hollingshed, um, she's shooting, like I said, I think like 39.8% from three this year, shooting more than four of them a game. Very effective. And you have others. You know, Quay Miller, six foot three off the bench. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of her. You know, I, I think that you might even see them move Maya down to the three, see Peanut at the four, see Quay at the five, and all of a sudden this height advantage that we're talking about is expanded even further. Because again, six foot three, there's nobody who's going to play for Creighton who who can compete with that. You know, they do have uh, Lexi Unruh doesn't play. Morgan Molly, who we talked about earlier, um, her and Emin Ronchiak, kind of two of these key players, they're both six foot one. But again, those two inches, those will matter. And on top of that, Quay has made a lot of important threes. Um, you know, she's, she's a center. You see teams sag off her a little bit. They go under screen. She can play the pick and pop a little bit. And like Evan Batty, she actually makes a really solid amount of them. So I think that that might be the X factor here because, again, we talk about the size advantage. Quay helps you turn that into a very significant advantage. You wonder if you could just be dominant on the boards and also scoring in the paint, and that's the sort of thing that, in a tournament game that's all about momentum, all about matchups, could that give them a 15-point lead early and all of a sudden they're just coasting all the way through? You know, those are the games that you want to see, but it's about half of them, right? About half are blow, it's about half come down to the wire. We'll have to see what happens, but... She could kind of be that X factor. Where you say, okay, they're so big and strong in the paint. She's she's turned the the lineup on the court from a thirty percent three point shooting group to a thirty four percent three point shooting group. And guess what? They're hot too. Um, Quay to me is kind of the X factor in this game. Um, that and and honestly, the combination of Kindle and Jalen on the defensive end. Um, if if they're able to force Creighton to turn the ball over. That would be huge. So those are kind of the defensive X factors. 
offensively, I'm going to go with Quay, who might be a little bit off the radar. Um, Let's see. What else do we want to get into here? Um, Honestly, that's probably most of it. Um, Three-point shooting basically covered everything that was covered there. Size differential, struggles in the paint. Um, oh, let's talk about transitional. But I think that that's kind of the final piece. You know, let's let's say Colorado does get these steals. There's this dangerous game when you're playing a team like Creighton, where, like I said, I think that dictating the pace of play is going to be huge in this game. Um, and and there's different ways to do that, but. When you get the ball, if you are forcing them to turn it over, you got to take advantage because this is a Colorado offense that has really, really disappeared at times. And in, in some of their losses, it's been kind of disgusting to watch their offense. You know, the, the, the defense is always fun to watch. There's always great plays being made within every four, five, six-minute stretch, whatever. You kind of need to jumpstart that offense, Right. Like, like you need to push the pace and transition because those are the easiest points. And we talk about the struggles at the rim. It helps when you have that numbers advantage. It helps when you get the defense on their heels. So you need to be able to take advantage of your transition opportunities if you're getting those turnovers, but you also run the risk of turning that pace up in the game. And when you're turning that pace up in the game, you're kind of playing in Creighton's hands. So understanding when to push, when to back off, that's this is one of the games where that's most complicated. You know, if you're if you're Creighton's point guard, first of all, she's really good, so you don't worry too much regardless. But you know that when we can push the pace, we push the pace. Push it as often as we can. When you play like Colorado plays, you have those questions. And and you talk to J.R. Payne, she'll say, like, yeah, we want to push the pace. Especially when they're at home in Boulder. You know, especially when you have guards as fast as they do. But in this game... It's a. It, there's some nuances there, and, and making sure that you're protecting the ball is what's most important in all of this. And and the other thing is, if you're trying to slow the game down, if you're recognizing like, hey, we don't want them getting out and running, getting out and running, and pushing, 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 you can't let that mean that your offense is stagnant, right? Like, even if you're willing to take up the entire shot clock, that doesn't mean everybody's standing around while the point guard dribbles the ball out or the air out of the ball. It means. You still need people working off ball, working off ball, but you aren't forcing shots up. You're, you're not making risky passes. You're making sure that every pass that, that you throw is, has a 97% chance of being successful. And what you don't want to see is Colorado saying, okay, this is a run-and-gun team. They want to kick the ball out to the three-point shooters. They want to pressure the rim to open those up, but mostly, I mean, mostly stretch the defense out to, to open things up in the paint. We, what we need to do is slow them down. So what we're going to do is not push the pace and transition. We're going to make sure we run the clock down. No, because you still need to be active and 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 ener- energetic, but within reason. Because you don't want to to kind of fuel that fire. And what it really is is it, it, it's kind of like they're they're just like this gas leak. And as soon as you miss a layup, as soon as you miss really any shot or turn the ball over, whatever, 
that's kind of the spark that ignites this explosion where all of a sudden they're getting out and running. And when they get out and run, they're going to be successful. And so you have to make sure you're not letting them do that, but while also not playing so conservative that you're, you're taking away your opportunities to score points from an offense that has struggled at times to score points. Um, and, and the thing is, the, the momentum in these sorts of games can just build and build and build because on, on Creighton's end, when Creighton has the ball and, and they're able to go score a basket, you know, JR's talked about before, you know, it's it's easiest to score off of a miss because you're you're in some sort of transition. It might not be a fast break necessarily, but you can you can get good matchups. You can get those sorts of things and, and kind of press the issue just a little bit more. When you're allowing them to to get set up after a made basket because you have to inbound the ball, all that sort of stuff, that's a significant disadvantage. And so when you're talking about how all of a sudden they're, they've strung together, or so they, they score a basket. Let's say they score a basket. Well, now your odds of going down scoring a basket are much worse because you don't have that transition start. And on top of that, a miss gives them a rebound in those transition sort of situations, which, which is what they want. That's what they're hunting for. And so then you make it more likely to score a basket, which means it's more likely that you wind up being in that bad situation. And so this is true in every basketball game, but particularly in one of these games where Colorado's offense struggles and Creighton's offense is so, so, so explosive. It's, it's risky. Again, you're playing with fire all the way through. And it takes a good coaching job. It takes a really good coaching job to say, okay, be patient. Be, be cautious with the ball. Make good decisions. But also, play with energy. And, and try to make plays. And, and cut to the basket. And, and look for opportunities to score. And that's where the, the messaging in this game from J.R. Payne is going to be huge. And again, like this is, this is Colorado's first time in the NCAA tournament since 2013. So this is no... It's it's a it's a new situation for everybody on the roster. And because of that, you know, in any new situation, it takes some time to settle in. And for both of these teams, you know, neither of these teams has played a game in the last 2 weeks. You know, the Pac-12 tournament, how long ago was that that they played Stanford in that semifinal game? It feels like a year ago. And and I think that actually the day before was when Creighton lost out of their tournament. So it's been a long time since either of these teams have played. Um only one player on either side, and that's the point guard for Creighton, has played in an NCAA tournament game before. Um, I, I, it's probably pretty notable that J.R. Payne has been around for, what, five, six years, first NCAA tournament appearance, and I don't mean to say anything bad about her. What she's done with this team is incredible. What she's done with this program is really impressive. You know, it was a program that was really down in the dumps, and it took her a couple years to, to kind of rebuild and, and change, but that's what happens in college sports. You're working on these four-year cycles, and what we're seeing now is this upward trajectory that's been coming along for, and you've seen the trajectory in th- for the last three seasons. For a season or two before that, it's like, okay, okay, get your feet wet, whatever. J.R. Payne, incredible coaching job this season. Incredible coaching job this season. It's a tall task, though, and she's going up a, a, against a coach who's, been at Creighton for 20 seasons and you know tournament in 2018 tournament in 2017 tournament in 2013 tournament in 2012 it's not like there's a massive gap in the success between these two programs I mean I think they won like two tournament games in the last 10 years compared to whatever for Colorado I think none for Colorado which again it's 
it's a difference, but it's not a huge difference. There is a difference in the experience of the coaches. And for J.R. Payne, along with this team, there's going to be some learning experiences. And I think that she has a pretty tough task in this one. I think she also has the better team. I think that she has more talent. I think that there's plenty of advantages you look at and say, the Buffs should win this game. You know, it's if you're a CU fan, you should be confident. Um, but it's a it's a finicky one. There's there's some weird quirks about this game, and it takes a good coach to to get through those quirks. So I'm excited. I'm really excited for this game, which I'm sure you can tell. I'm I'm fired up. I'm really fired up, and I hope I see a bunch of you down at the bar tomorrow because it's going to be a really good time. Um, we must be through all these notes at this point. We've got to be. Um, we'll see. We'll we'll we will see. Um, that's all I've got for today. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow with a podcast. Um, I'm I'm gonna go record it as soon as the game ends at the bar. I guess I might write first and then record it. Poise pretty quickly after the game. And hey, knock on wood, but also cross your fingers. Hopefully, we will be talking about a matchup with Iowa that's on the way on Sunday. Uh, that's all I got for today. We'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs>